0: Okay Oh, we did it Good old oh, buddy But you were not talking like me for something What's that? My
1: record, you like it, you like, like, like. What's What's like, like crazy? Crazy. Digging deep into the crates, digging deep into the underbelly of the music
2: This is the place to go, and it listen it. Oh, I'm getting started off somehow I'm
1: gonna
2: Bizarre <laughs> <laughs> as The way part. we always do Hey, welcome back. My name is Dion, if you are not fully aware. I am a member of Lightning Licks Vinyl Preservation Society, which happens to be a collective of record-collecting weirdos whose mission is to celebrate and examine our often unhealthy, always obsessive, more often than not creepily intimate relationship that we share with the physical media that is Vinyl Records. And I am in an undisclosed location in the south end of Bay City, Michigan, across a dining room table from my co-host, my dear friend, my Sonic Sensei. You may know him as Jay. I am Jay. And
1: yeah, welcome. Thanks for hanging out with us if you're doing that. If you can hear, me, obviously, you're doing, you're doing that. this right now, you're, you're doing hanging that. out with us. Yeah. yeah. Like, clearly, you've gotten the memo, and
2: you're like, i got to tune into these dudes. <laughs> <You've got> the...
1: <laughs> it hasn't been that long, but I it feel hasn't. like it's been a really long time since we've done this. Well,
2: yeah. it's a few weeks or whatever. But... It
1: feels longer than that for some odd Well, because we
2: reason. were able to, we had our friend Josh <laughs> visit us, and uh, we were able to put a couple episodes in the can, and plus, we were able yeah. to do, like, a Valentine's Mega Mix, and that didn't really require anything okay. from the two of us. Yeah, fair enough. And that came out. So it seems like we've been busy, but we really haven't. It's been probably three, four weeks or something I of Please that it nature. It feels longer month.
1: Whenever I'm away from you, it feels like a long, long I know. time. I, I, pine, mean we, I pine for you. I yearn for you.
2: Uh-huh. You pine for me. <laughs> and We're pining for you. I'm pining for you. At Lightning Woods Radio. I'm pining
1: for you. But anyway, so here we are. Do you want to go ahead and tell them uh, what is the... Um, not the topic, not the subject, the the theme. Tell them the theme of the podcast. As is as well. past practice, we usually do
2: a themed episode, and then we come back to the alphabet. We yep. started the alphabet, I don't know, a, a while ago. <laughs> at A. Where one would start the <laughs> alphabet. One would
1: start if you're OCD. And like now me.
2: we were on the letter F. Letter F. So what we're going to do is discuss bands and or artists that we would file under the letter F if we were working in an imaginary record store. Records
1: that we love... That are F. Yeah. And yeah. that's also filed in my collection the very same way. Store, collection, whatever.
2: I actually, it's somewhat alphabetical. Uh, since I moved, I was able to yeah. get everything together. And I figured that the easiest way to do that, for a while, I was like, I got to do it by genre. But there's so much crossover. What do you do with fusion? What do you do with this and that? Yeah. So I decided to do it the old-fashioned way. And when I say old-fashioned, I mean, like, from the 1700s. And I separated whites and blacks. <laughs> and then but there is some crossover there too so it's not complete segregation like obviously like a beastie boys would go in the hip-hop so they'd be with the black fellas and like the fish bones and the living colors would cross over to the whites so it's not totally exhausting
1: though it wasn't though
2: it was easier for me because i got a lot of jazz i got a lot of hip-hop i got a lot of soul so the best way to get my rock collection separated
1: Separated. was to go by race
2: now i guess that's that's my problem
1: for not being as musically open-minded as you not, I just uh, like yeah. I just like the rock and roll. Apparently, I, uh, everything is alphabetized for me. I like how you called me musically open-minded, and I'm the one that's segregating my <laughs> record collection. <public laughs> but I mean, I got like six reggae records. Like I can't put a section together of dub when I've got like six dub records. No, I've you got know. quite a
2: bit of that too, and Afro pop. Okay,
1: well, we can brag, 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 brag.
2: I'm not bragging. <laughs> I'm just saying that's what I fuck with. <laughs> uh, what i got. i'm the segregator here i should be the one. <laughs>
1: oh, i love i shit. can't wait for that marvel movie the segregator <laughs> it's gonna be awesome <laughs> i don't care about superhero movies but i'll watch the segregator
2: <laughs> yeah if, if the segregator comes out jay and i will <laughs> wait in line we'll stay after the credits
1: oh well, yeah, we have to. <laughs> uh, all right Silly a little bit here. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. We've had the Blue
2: Chair Bay flowing.
1: We did have the Blue Chair Bay. Had uh, one of
2: each flavor, each one of us.
1: Cheers to Kenny Chesney and his Mm -hmm. Blue Chair Bay delicious, fruity... Alcoholic goodness.
2: Yep, the flavored rum company that inadvertently sponsors this podcast. Thank you very much. They don't know
1: it, but God love them anyway.
2: Are you ready to get into this? Because basically how this goes, and if you're a listener, you already know this, but if this is your first time, we want to keep you in the loop. We're going to talk about these bands. We're going to go back and forth, kind of ping pong. And then we are going to suggest tracks to represent the albums that we talk about that Jay is going to then put on a mixtape for you to enjoy at the end of the episode. Some of our friends... Do not listen to the mixtape We see the metrics And we know who you are And Chris You better start listening to the mixes I know you miss our voices Because I we're really great friends But you need To listen to the mixes Because we put time and effort into those And it's important that you hear All the little things we put in between
1: I wasn't going to call him out by name But I'm glad that you did Yeah Chris Listen to the mix Calling you out
2: Yeah Calling you out bud <laughs> Okay You ready?
1: I am Let's roll it Let's do
2: those F's F's F time F time F-time,
3: F-time, F-time, F-time. Hey Simon! Yeah Pete!
2: I've been thinking about the letter F!
3: Is that a fact, Pete?
1: That
0: sound like letter, letter F. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh.
1: So as always, whenever we do whatever theme or whatever alphabet letter we're using, I just do the first one that pops into my mind. And the first one is a little band out of North Carolina called Fetchin' Bones. F-E-T-C-H-I-N. Bones? B-O-N-E-S. B-O-N-E-S. I'm not going to spell that. I just want... We're doing the spelling thing where we spell everything. Well, no, I'm only doing that because if you're going to look for it like on YouTube, you want to spell at least the first word. It's not fetching bones. bones. It's fetching bones.
2: Fetching bones.
1: But, Heard about them. Never really listened to them
2: until earlier today when you played a selection for me.
1: Groovy little band. They put out four or five records. They put out, I think, two records on a smaller label, and then they jumped Capital Records They are definitely, they are one of those bands that were kind of poised to do more. I mean, they did support for like R.E.M. and X and Red Hot Chili Peppers, and they opened up for a lot of bands. For whatever reason, they're one of those mysteries, it's one of those other bands that never broke big. Why didn't they make it? Yeah, the first couple earlier records are produced by Don Dixon, and Don Dixon produced all that stuff at the Mitch Easter Drive-In Studios. So, I mean, any kind of Southern alternative. Like, he produced The Canals and Guadalcanal Diary. and He produced Hootie and the Blowfish's early stuff and the Smithereens and Matthew Sweet. That guy has worked with anybody who is like anybody in the alternative world in the Southern area. He actually produced their stuff. They're just a phenomenal band. I mean, they're definitely kind of have this thrift store, ragamuffin, hipster look back in the day when college radio was college radio. And they're from North Carolina, so they definitely kind of have a Southern thing about them. They don't sound like R.E.M., they don't sound like Guadalcanal Diary, but there is definitely a southernness about what they do. Right on. And I discovered them, again, this is a complete blind buy. When I lived in California, we would drive to Santa Maria, and we'd go to Warehouse Records, and I would just buy cassettes that just looked interesting. And the cover's got this, like, altar of, like, glow like, trinkets and candles and Christmas lights, and it's called Galaxy 500, and I bought it. Unheard, completely blind by, mm-hmm. and fell in love with it
2: right away. That's awesome.
1: If you were a friend of mine in 1987, the side one, track one, the song "Stray" was on every mixtape I made back <laughs> in the day. That's good. So yeah, they did two records on a little label, three records for Capitol. Their very last record was a record called Monster, and that that was like a weird time because all these bands that had gotten signed as like alternative bands or college bands. They were bringing all these like, kind of metal producers in yeah. to record this stuff. They were kind of going for like this more like beefy, metallic guitar riff sound. They did that with X, and they did that with uh, with Aint Love Grand, and the Bad Brains with Quickness, where they just brought this metal producer in and they tried to like beef up the sound and try to like expand the audience, try to sell more records. But for me, the second to last record, Galaxy 500, is their best record. It's like Fetch and Bones at their finest. Super sassy. I'm not gonna get into like who's all in the band, but I will say if you go on YouTube and check out their videos, a super hot firecracker lead singer named Hope Nichols, which of course was a huge like I had not heard of them or seen them before I bought it, but like once I started seeing pictures of her and stuff, I'm like She's oh a I'm so into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. On. I don't know what happened to them. Like they just kinda like dissipated and fell apart. If you go onto YouTube, there is some Hope Nichols live stuff and there's this really weird video of her doing fight for your right by the beastie boys which is fucking weird yeah man what i don't know i don't ever remember seeing any of their videos on mtv but they're very cool like if you do like that southern alternative kind of rock thing fetch and bones is kind of up your alley The song that I'm going to do is a song called Steam Whistle. I'm not going to go with the obvious, Stray, which is the one that ended up on every mixtape. Okay. Going a little bit more mellow with a song called Steam Whistle. She's got a super huge voice. Yeah. Definitely check her out. So that's my first F. Dion, what do you got? What do you got going F-wise?
2: For Fs? Yeah. So here's the F and story. Here's the F and story. Tell me. 55, or six years ago, Bay Area, California, USA. Kind of a scene emerging at that time, musically speaking. A young dude named Cork that's literally his name, Cork, enjoyed fiddling around with electronics, and he especially loved when the gizmos and bastardized contraptions that he came up with would make noises. And he went on to really love this unique type of electronic experimentation, enough, in fact, that he wanted to start a band, which kid does not want to start a band. And that band formed by our mad scientist
1: friend Cork, would come to be known as 50 Foot Hose. You ever hear of them? I actually had not, until you sent me your list of songs, I had not heard of that band ever. What's interesting about 50 Foot Hose is they are perhaps the first rock band to include
2: electronic instruments, uh, but these weren't synths or keyboards. They were homemade inventions, and they sounded not very musical at all, <laughs> but when mixed, with the other music that was being played on stage, it was just as complimentary as any other component to this trippy psychedelic rock. It's not necessarily paint-by-numbers Bay Area rock that was being played, but it's pretty close. Yeah, it it's was,
1: not Jefferson Airplane for yeah, sure.
2: Yeah, Yeah, but it's like freak-out psych rock, man. And it's really cool. And the band, which happened to be a five-piece, uh, it was Cork fucking around with these gadgets, a guitarist named David, David's wife Nancy, who sang, and she did have a beautiful voice. She could actually really sing pretty well. And this dude Larry on drums, and nobody in particular on bass, they just sort of used whoever was around that could actually play bass, and they were gelling together. They played really well, and they rehearsed, and they secured some gigs, feeling good about their art, thinking like, man, we're going to blow these hippies' minds as soon as we get on stage, but as it turns out, it was too trippy for even the hippies. They did secure some attention from like A&R reps for Mercury Records, and they were able to secure a recording contract early on by impressing them, and they were able to cut a record. So that's what they did. They went into the studio. Mercury Records has a lot of professionals that were able to make them sound as good as possible, You know, get their dreams on tape. They released this record, and it was kind of the same thing. It was like the audience at the time... Um, They weren't really feeling it. It was kind of a dud.
1: They're too little ahead of their time. And I will say that they are reminiscent of another band around that same era and area called the United States of America that were also kind of doing this psych rock stuff, but they were kind of doing almost an avant-garde version of it too. They didn't sound anything like 50-foot hose, but they were like-minded in their musical attempt. Yeah, in their presentation. Yeah, in their their presentation and whatnot, (laughs) yeah.
2: Yeah, well, it was released in late December of 1967. Sounds pretty good, in my opinion, and it is the album that we have here on the dining room table, and it's entitled Cauldron. This is a one and done, so this is something that we like as record collectors. If we can find (laughs) a band, you were saying earlier, it's great when we find a band that we really like that only has one record, (laughs) because then you only have to spend the money to buy the one record. It's not going to break the bank. Right. Uh, they did try to tweak some things uh, afterwards after the release of this record and they were looking forward to releasing more music and get back on the road but their singer and the guitarist um, they divorced Uh, she went on actually to join the traveling cast of hair which was kind of a big deal back then a big hit musical of the time so she did fine right yeah and cork went back to uh, secure a fine arts degree And it wasn't until many, many years later, uh, anybody actually gave a flying fuck about 50-foot hose. But eventually, they did get some recognition. The record was re-released, which was mostly possible because Cork is what we call like an excellent archivist, right? Archivist. Yeah, he kept all of the shit, and he kept all the tapes, and he kept like a running record of everything that the band did. So he has this history that he kept with uh, newspaper clippings, with journal entries. So it was really easy for the record company to re-release this stuff. And I love labels that do that. I love the Light in the Attics. I love the Numero groups that resurrect otherwise forgotten artists and bands work. I love websites like the Aquarian Drunkards that keep you hip to the found sounds of the time, right? Things that may have been forgotten. And we have to thank people like Cork that really put in the time to keep this shit preserved because otherwise it'd be a really difficult task and he made it easy for him this record is one of those records i like it very much it's a trip there's no doubt about it uh, it's not 100 percent an easy listen by any means but it is produced very well mercury records had some of the pros the best people in the business involved in the process uh, they do utilize like a lot of rad vintage effects there's some tape loop reverb some extreme dynamic stereo but they had all the bells and whistles available to them in the making of this record cauldron so um, it is interesting when you hear all the electronics that cork is utilizing it's not what you'd expect there's a lot of pops and beeps and and weird things going on he was definitely uh, an artist in that regard it wasn't very musical but i don't know man he added the Sassoon just right where it was needed these songs actually sound pretty fucking amazing we listened to it earlier it's a good record
1: and honestly i feel like it's a little more accessible than you think it almost feels like there's a little bit of that whole like freak folk resurgence that happened like in the 2000s, too. Like yeah. I feel like they took a lot from this. It's still pretty timeless, but I feel it's more listenable. I, I actually do feel like it's kind of listenable. Okay. More than you do, maybe. Okay.
2: The song that I want to use for our mixtape, and this is the mixtape that is brought to you by the number 33 and a third and the letter <laughs> F, uh, is a song called Rose. And this is a cool tune that sounds like nice. a mashup of early Jefferson Airplane with like I was talking to you, Atlanta rhythm section spooky. And, yeah. But then you informed me that that was actually a cover of Well, there was his a band, band
1: called Classics Four that did Spooky originally, but a couple guys from that band ended up in Atlanta rhythm section and they re-recorded it later. Yeah. But when you first told me the song you were gonna use, I was listening to it and I'm like, Oh my god, that's the spooky guitar. <laughs> yeah, it's badass. Yeah. yeah. But it turns out
2: that it was both songs were produced at a similar time, so I don't think there's anybody that was stealing from no. anybody else. They just happened to be like minded musicians and on that track you will hear homeboy corks handiwork all over that fucker uh but it's a cool tune yeah. right so that is my f 50 foot hose uh song is rose jay what do you got
1: i'm gonna go ahead i'm gonna continue the uh, the theme of the one and done nice kind of technically it's a one and done it's a band called fay ray i'm gonna spell it again f-a-y R A Y has okay. nothing to do with the actress that played in the original King Kong, nor did it have anything to do with the photographer William Wegman's dog, who was also named Fay Ray.
2: <laughs> okay. Because I was really thinking it was the dude's dog. Yeah, no, not no, at all. Not okay. So
1: I can't remember whether they're a British or if they're an Irish band. They put out one record on Electra called Contact You. It came out in nineteen eighty two. It is very of its time. It very much feels like a tight, concise. 80s new wave record you know right there's no surprises there but it's also really really very good it's really fucking good and I bought it simply because I'm one of those guys who will just buy something if it's produced by somebody that I recognize and the record was produced by a gentleman named Nigel Gray and they recorded it at Surrey Sound which is where the first three police records were recorded oh cool so I was in I'm like alright well okay and Nigel Gray's working with them it's probably gonna be good probably and it is really 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 good and they did record a second record and it was actually they were <laughs> before they were able to put it out they were dropped by electro records so the record never came out son of a th- the cd did get reissued i think in like 2018 or something and there is some bonus tracks i don't know if they're like live tracks or they're from the like record sessions. that the record that never came out i don't know if you go on YouTube, there's some super cool, they actually made a couple pretty good conceptual videos, but there's also some really good live stuff that they did for the BBC too. Is she um, singing Fight for Your Right for the Party in any of those she's videos? She's not singing Fight for Your Right to Party. <laughs> but I love her. I mean, the thing that sets it apart for me is like, it is a very traditional like 80s new wave. There's no surprises there, but she has this super big voice. And when I was listening to it, I'm like, who does she remind me of? And she reminds me of Matiel Brown. Right. Who is Mateo, which we've talked about a couple of times on this. At least a few times. Yeah, she makes, the, every time Matiel puts out a record, it makes my year on top 10 just. But she has this really big voice, and it's fucking cool. And then the song that I'm going to pick for the mixtape is a song that is called Waiting for the Heat Wave. And it has this really cool, kind of like menacing <laughs> Riff. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of the song Babylon's Burning by The Ruts, which okay. came out a couple years before that. If you don't know that song, it's on the Times Square soundtrack. That's how I know it. Um, but of course it just got this like kind of menacing like riff that just kind of creeps up on you, but it also has a, the obligatory badass 80s sax sample or sax uh, solo, solo and stuff, yeah. which is really fucking cool. I'd be curious to hear that second record. I don't know if they'll ever put that out. Maybe there'll be a resurgence at some point and someone will reissue it. There's a really cool label out of England right now called Cherry Red, and they release a lot of like one-off stuff like that. So maybe they'll yeah. get around to it. But yeah, check it out. Faye the record's called Contact You and the song that I'm gonna use for the mix is called Waiting for the Heat
2: Awesome yeah. Clearly a band that I never heard of before Previous to just listening to it a little earlier You shared the songs you were going to include But man, the video's pretty uh, interesting too
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's cool It's yeah. nice uh, What do you got next in the F section? Well,
2: comedy funny tunes joke bands we don't talk about that genre much at all on lightning Licks radio unless we're talking about in an outtake canceling bill cosby but we will now my second selection filed under f is flight of the concords Je suis this is a musical comedy duo out of new zealand self-described as the fourth most popular guitar based digi bongo acapella rap <laughs> funk comedy folk duo of their region but to me they're my favorite such duo they had a show on HBO for a couple seasons. Had some specials on cable or whatever. I Have funny songs, funny videos. These guys are great. I know you're not much of a, you know, you're not going to go to comedy records to uh, scratch that itch of what you need to
1: listen to. I'm not a huge fan of comedy records, but I will say this: There's going to be some fighting words. Flight of the Conchords, good fuck Tenacious D yeah Yeah. fuck those fuckers they're terrible agreed not funny they're terrible if you're like 11 year old boy Tenacious D that's your shit as it were I get it he just made some enemies Play the Concords much much better much more clever much more
2: funny they went on to some acting roles and such they're legit players in the comedy scene I'd say but anyway it's Brett and Jermaine Uh very quick to poke fun of themselves without ever breaking character really talented musicians as well I mean that is evident and they make songs in a variety of genres not so much parodies of existing songs but hilarious original songs with like outlandish premises set to the tune if you will of popular music Styles and if you really want to get an idea of what they do, if you aren't familiar, you can check out some clips from the show. But also uh, BBC Radio has this great archive section of their past broadcasts, and they were introduced to the British comedy audience with like a mini-series. It was a six-part radio mockumentary on BBC Two, and it is excellent. Search for it for it for it.
4: Like almost every single member of the population of New Zealand. The Concords had their own special part to play in the making of the Oscar-winning Lord of the Rings trilogy.
5: The guys wrote a a song for Peter Jackson and we were all quite excited about it. We thought it could be the, you know, the next big thing. We'd be used in the film. We'd be uh, famous after that.
3: So we recorded it semi-professionally and we sent in the single to the director with a note saying, Hello Peter Jackson, it's Brett and Jermaine here from next door. We heard you're doing a movie about um, the wizard and the Oompa Loompas, and here's a theme song we've written for it. Put it in your movie.
6: Next thing, basically, we we go to the premiere. Um, we're sitting it there. It wasn't the premiere, but it was the first price Tuesday after the premiere. Well, we were there anyway, and um, we were waiting for our song, and by the time the credits ran, the very end, we, we knew that they hadn't used it. You play play. You'll never be the Lord of the Rings. else? Human beings don't know what it is, it's
5: a lot of the Rings. I got the letter in the mail. Dear Mr. Nesbitt, thank you for your soundtrack entry, Frodo Don't Wear the Ring. Unfortunately, we have decided to go with an internationally renowned act from overseas. Out of the many demo CDs we received, however, we did feel your cassette tape by the flight of the Concords was certainly a novelty. For future reference, film soundtracks need to be submitted before the release of the film. Good on you, mate. Peter Jackson. That's quite positive.
2: It's great. And you can add it to your podcast queue. It doesn't take too terribly long. So if you're into comedy music, it's definitely a worthwhile listen. Uh, A lot of the same songs and supporting characters as the HBO show are included in this mockumentary. It's just presented in a different way. But the radio program is really, really well done It's a professional production It's pretty hilarious Uh, Shannon caught me listening to it I was like, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, I'm listening to BBC2 archives Leave me alone Like, I need to let this happen
1: And they're obviously, like, super like talented musicians, too I mean, they could have done anything that they wanted to How many records did they actually Did they put only just the They put out four actual records,
2: like releases? Yep, Sub Pop signed them They put out four records I haven't. I mean, it's been a while since they've done anything But they went on to other things, you know Jermaine is an actor now, and he's acting plenty of things. I haven't seen Brett, like, out and about too much. Maybe he's behind the scenes, maybe a writer. But I do remember, like, the reason they didn't have more seasons of the show although it was successful is that that first season they were able to use all of their existing songs and then right around that that second season they had to write new songs and in addition to writing the new songs they had to write bits for the show to make everything work and that was really difficult and they're like fuck this we're not doing this forever like it's just two seasons we're done and we'll go on maybe we'll put out another album when we're ready but it'll coincide with a tour or something that can make us more money so that's what they decided to do my favorite bits from them, uh, one of them, and how I discovered them, is a song called Bowie, which is like a duet parody, and each guy is singing as a What's version of David Bowie, but from separate eras, and that's great. And also, whenever they get into their rap personas, and that would be of MC Rhinoceros and the Hip Hop <laughs> that's fantastic. Jermaine, who is the Hip Hop has a line where he says, "I'm the Hip Hop while where a are bottomless." And that's the whole verse. It's that's nothing great. else. It's that's just great. classic shit. And I do have a vinyl copy of their second record. I told you I was freaky. That was released in two thousand nine on Sub Pop. And I want to include on our mix a rap track. Called Hurt Feelings, which is about rappers having
1: feelings. It, it actually is pretty great, <laughs> and the video is pretty fucking funny too.
2: One of the many ways that their feelings can get hurt are discussed in this track. <laughs> They're, you know, very vulnerable. Posture from MC Rhinoceros and Hip Hop Epotamus, really brave of them both. I feel like
1: honest. it's a good take about how really vulnerable all of us are. Yeah. Really?
2: So that is my F choice. Flight of the Concords, you know, comedy record. Check it out. Jay, do you have another F for
1: us? I do. I have another. Well, I have one that should have been a one and done. Yeah. And is not. <laughs> <laughs> and that is a band called Fuzzbox. The full name of the band is called We've Got a Fuzzbox, and We're Going to Use It never has a band more been appropriately named than that band. Like, literally, the first record has like fuzz in every song every yeah. single song but they're a four-piece all-female band again this was an i keep going i guess it's going back to california when i lived in california this was also another blind buy the cover it's very garishly like 80s new wave day glow when did it come out their first record fuzz box came out in 1986 oh okay and uh their hair is all teased out it's all red and orange and pink and shit and they're all fucking really cute and of course that's yeah. why I bought it oh,
0: yeah. I didn't know I
1: didn't know anything about them initially it was released in England as it was I don't even know it was called Boston Steve Austin and if you look at the cover <laughs> there's like this weird collage of like weird shit on the cover and there's this little picture of a cartoon six million dollar man running across the like a, like waterfall it's really weird yeah so I, I just picked it up as a whim because I mean obviously you're not going to not buy a tape a band called we've got a fuzz box and so we're going to use it but it's just super cool. It's just super simple and fun. They're the four piece, the two girls sing kind of together all the time. So there's kind of like a girl group kind of thing going on there, too. It's a little bit glammy, it's a little bit garagey, it's fuzzy. It's a feel good record, it's a fun record. I loved it right away. And again, going back to mixtapes like I did with the Fetch and Bones, if you got a mixtape from me, 1986. The song that I'm gonna put on the mixtape, which is a song called "Love Is the Slug," which is obviously is a take slug. on the Roxy Music song. Yeah, um, that was gonna be on every mixtape that I made in 1986. They did make another record in 1989 called Big Bang, but at that point the label had like totally cleaned them up. They made them like cute little pop band, and it just like it, it just wasn't as much fun. Mm-hmm. It was just really kind of like clinical and just sterile. It just wasn't as much fun as the first record. Back in the day too, like it was just a fun thing. Like I don't want to compare them to like Wet Leg, but I just love the idea of these girls like doing this music. They're not taking themselves too seriously, and not I feel like what Fuzzbox did that kind of did that same thing. And you should definitely go back, and also I'm just always gonna to refer to the videos. The videos from the first record are super great and they're super fun. You had to choose one track from Fuzzbox. what's it gonna be you know i don't normally go with the obvious choice but i'm actually i'm gonna go with love is the slug love is the slug love and, is, and you love know love is the, the
2: drug and which the song was based on i love that track
1: yeah me too and it doesn't sound anything like that. No, no, <laughs> it doesn't no. sound like roxy music it definitely kind of has like a 60s girl thing it's they're almost kind of ahead of their time i mean it's again it's kind of garagey bit of a glam stomp with the drums and stuff they're very they're, they're just fun and they're cool you should check out Fuzzbox. I will. Check out some Fuzzbox. Yeah. I love them. <laughs> Sounds dirty when you say it like that. <laughs> I love some Fuzzbox. I love the Fuzzbox. <laughs> I love me some Fuzzbox. But you know, now that I'm thinking about it, that probably has a little bit to do with yeah. why they named themselves that too. Four girls Yeah, named Fuzzbox? In the 80s? Yeah, probably. Give me a we can get away with that shit. Uh, what do you got next in your F section? I'm going to talk about a uh, genre that starts
2: with the letter F. That's that? folk music. Oh, yeah, they not do... always in the mood for folk music, but when I am, I look to these gals to quench my thirst and or to scratch my itch. And who are would be they? The first aid kit. Oh. They're Swedish sisters, Clara and Joanna Soderberg, and they're babes, kind of not in the traditionally attractive kind of way, but in the interestingly pretty kind of way and both of these girls happen to have voices of angels so that helps a lot. Yeah, they really do. They write great songs, they have great words and I fucks with them from time (laughs) to time. They
1: write great songs, they have great words. What
2: more uh, do you need? Their voices, my God, it should be stated again, are just perfect. They're striking. Anyways.
1: Yeah, and the lyrically, they're very interesting. The song that you're going to put for the mixtape, just grab me. There's a couple lines that just hit me right away.
2: Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, they have done some really interesting shit. They produced this Leonard Cohen tribute that I was telling you about earlier. It was really well done. That was like five years or so ago. You can check that out on YouTube in its entirety. The whole special can be streamed. They put it together very artistically, incorporating some of his spoken word poetry, bringing in some friends, great lighting design, a lot of use of, like, shadow... And the musical performance obviously are all killer it's worth looking into if you appreciate folk music or even just appreciate professional musicality or you are a fan of leonard cohen i was not i do like leonard cohen's like really early that sounds stupid like i like him in the 60s and 70s but then he went on to remain a performer and i never really got into his shit after that but even me who's not necessarily a leonard cohen fan i did appreciate that watching the girls in that special it was a good one they released a lp just here in 2022 it's something that i kind of missed
1: was waiting for you just came across their record in the kitchen, right? I was at the kitchen uh, yesterday on Saturday, and I had it in my hand, the same one, and I yeah. did not buy it. Wait. It's
2: titled... Uh, I should have bought uh, it. Yeah, Palomino. That's the album that I brought to the dining room table today. And the song that I want to include, like Jay said earlier on our mix, is a cut, it's like a little burner, and it's titled, this is an awesome title, Wild Horses 2. Yeah. Uh, and the premise uh, of the lyrics is it's a road trip across what seems to be Western America... And it's shared by a pair of lovers. And the chorus essentially is a good-natured discussion on which version of the song, Wild Horses, is preferred by each lover. So the other loves the Rolling Stones and the narrator likes Grahams, basically. Meaning Graham Parsons, who actually wrote the song and released a version with the Flying Burrito Brothers, I believe. So a little rock and roll history included in that tune. Uh, And for the record, I cannot decide which one of those versions I like better. I like them both. But as it turns out, I love... Wild Horses too, just yeah. as much as the other two Wild Horses original songs so uh, everything's great online. Yeah, it's
1: a, that's a great song too and that's when I was listening to it that was the line that stood out because it's obviously it's in the chorus it right. pops up a few times that's just fucking great because that's the kind of shit obviously it's like your dream girl your dream yeah. date your dream yeah. lover or whatever dream romantic partner like where you're debating over which version of Wild Horses is better <laughs> I fucking love that yeah. and that you can still like deal with like you know what you like The Rolling Stones I like Grant Parsons Let's do this Let's keep
2: going Yeah It very much sounds Like a road trip tune It's very spacious You know Just like the open roads Very cinematic And lyrically I I can see their love Of Leonard Cohen uh, In this song Because the tune More than any of their others I think Is very Cohen-esque Like lyrically There's poetic dialogue what can be you know described as maybe like characters in a novel it's very beautifully simplistic I mean this is just matter of
1: fact it's atmospheric you, yeah, in the best way. you
2: like this song and I like this version of this song yeah. and that's what it is and we're on a
1: trip it's a relationship song it's awesome yeah. that's the shit that comes up that's the serious shit right there
2: I should add too <laughs> and this is a little uh, interesting point uh, just a bonus First Aid Kit's first record, uh, it's a record entitled The Big Black and Blue, is one of the records that I purchased twice at the Electric Kitsch, back when Electric Kitsch, our record store of choice, was downtown. It's when they first arrived into town because I gave one of those copies away to a girl. And I don't even think she had a record player, but the illustration on the cover reminded me of her. And uh, so I put, like, that in a frame, and then I wrote this letter with it, and that was framed with the record. It may have been a Valentine's Day gift. It may have been a birthday gift. I can't quite remember, but I do remember that I misspelled, like, one of the words in the letter, and uh, she called me out on it, and I've never been so devastated. (laughs) I was like, oh, my God. And I don't think it was, like, an easy misspelling. Like, it might have been the word, like, separate or something like that. It wasn't, like, a they-there thing. It was just... I've never recovered from that. Well,
1: she's obviously evil because... Do you hear this sound? Listen, that's the sound of me swooning. (laughs) The fact that you did that for her. Love doesn't know about spelling. Yeah, man. Love doesn't know about spelling. Love don't know about that. It doesn't.
2: Well, that's the end of that relationship. But anyway, (laughs) I think it's cool that... Because he wants story, to go with that Yeah, that story even exists. I still would have. But. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Not by choice. Yeah. But. All those connections that we have with albums, all those connections that we have with bands, it could be something as stupid as me shooting my shot. For this girl that I liked, by trying to be like this record reminds me of that's you, but really, like in my heart, what I was thinking is like, I like this music. He'd probably like this music, and that's what we do with mixtapes. Yeah, that's what we do with anything else. Whether you're framing it with a letter yeah. with a misspelled word in it, or you're just giving a mixtape to somebody, or nowadays sharing a playlist or even yeah. a link to a it's video the, or whatever the, the bonding, case may it's be, the
1: connection. shit has never changed, yeah. man. It's the bonding and the connection to the music. Yeah, yeah. You're looking so, for your soulmate through, and
2: I'm looking for my soulmate out there in podcast America. <laughs> So check that out That's going to be First Aid
1: Kit With the song Wild Horses 2 j What do you got for us? My next one is a gentleman name And I'm not sure if you say his last name His name is uh, I'm going to spell this one too God I don't know why I keep spelling all this shit But I'm going to do it He's a speller F-E-N-N-E-L-L-Y Michael, it's either Fennelly or Fennelly. Fennelly. Yeah. Let's say Fennelly. I became aware of him because he did two records with a band in the 70s, 1970s, 1971. They did two records with a band called Krabby Appleton. Right on. Kind of some proto-like power pop, but it had like a AOR rock and roll, kind of the way that like, there was another band at the time called Artful Dodger that straddled that line between power pop and like more traditional rock and roll or... Piper, which is the band that Billy Squire was oh, in yeah, yeah. before he went solo. They were also kind of power-pop, but they were also kind of more of an AOR rock band, too. They recorded two records, 70 and 71, which didn't sell, and then uh, <laughs> he did two solo records himself. He did a record called Lane Changer in 74, and he did a, uh, another second one in Stranger's Bed. came out in 75 also, which didn't sell. The sound that he had with Crappy Apple, Crappy, that wow, that's just some kind of 40-inch slip. Crabby Appleton, he kind of took that sound with him when he did his solo stuff. And it should just be noted too that his solo stuff was recorded and produced by Chris White of the Zombies, which is really cool. And I'm a big Zombies fan, so there's a connection there too. But he's also involved with the whole Kurt Betcher universe, which okay. we've talked about very early on. I love okay. Kurt Betcher, the association. Yes. yes. He did both work on, you know, all that stuff, like the Millennium Record, Begin, and he also did the Sagittarius record with Kurt Betcher, which was like kind of like the ultimate in psych pop, sunshine pop, Californian kind of stuff. He was involved with that whole gang of people too. So that was the extra allure for me for Michael Fenley. Okay. So he put out the two records. I don't really know what he's doing now. I think I read that he lives in Portland, Oregon. I think he got involved with the record industry, but I don't think he records or plays or anything anymore. I'm sure he does for himself, but he hasn't released anything. Okay. So yeah, you should check it out. The Krabby Ableton stuff is really, really good. His two solo records are also very, very good. You need to have the Millennium stuff, and you need to have the Sagittarius stuff. I'm just saying, Take there's note. one record from each one of those bands. Right. They didn't sell for shit. Like, all of the, everything Michael Finley touched <laughs> didn't sell for shit. The song that I'm going to use for the mixtape is from his first solo record. That would be uh, "Lane Changer," and I'm going to use a song called "Easy to Love." It's not really indicative to what he does because, again, it's more of like an AOR kind of like straight up rock and roll thing. This is more of an acoustic thing with a slide yeah, guitar, a little love the song. The steel kind slide of is beautiful. Thing. Yeah, it's a beautiful song, and he has a really good voice. He can like, he can hit the low notes, but he also has a super great falsetto that he uses. It's really interesting that whole. Any of that stuff is well worth digging into. You should check it out. Yeah. I'm excited to hear it. I mean, I've heard it here
2: today, and I was like, wow, it's beautiful.
1: Yeah. So check it out. Yeah. Michael Fennelly. Check it it out. I'm going to do it. All right. So Dion, Mm -hmm. F section. Go. I
2: got a funk soul R&B band around for for more than 50 years now. Still active, which is kind of amazing. But it's the Fatback Band. Bill Fatback Curtis, who is somewhat of a legend behind the kit, not enough of a legend that he has his own wiki page or anything, but people know who he is. He doesn't? No, that's weird, well, huh? Yeah. Uh, everybody
0: does. He
2: formed the OG fat bag. <laughs> I do too. Uh <laughs> I and really, if I do I really, it, I'm going to work on it. I really, don't. I really don't. If somebody <laughs> wants to do one for me, go ahead. Uh, Just make up shit. I'll do it. Okay. Uh, he formed the OG Fatback Band back in 1970. And since then, the group has released two dozen or so records uh, 25, I think, is the official count. Primarily in the 70s and 80s, but they went on through the 90s, you know, 2000s, and onward. But this is a funky ass group. Records of theirs are not too hard to find. I'm sure when you were digging in the bins, you came across a few of them in your travels uh, because they have a lot of releases. But it is one of those groups that uh, if you find their shit out in the wild, you can comfortably pick it up because take it from me, there is hardly a doubt that what you will find on those records is some funky killer cuts this band is all about breaks it's all about beats it's all about funky rhythms through and through and there's no other accurate way to describe them really they are just funky they are fresh and they put together some truly dope tunes they essentially make what i would consider to be party records right there's some ballads mixed in there but it's mostly feel good floor fillers uh, they kind of evolved through the disco era Um, to get played in the nightclubs and things during that time but even in the late 70s and early 80s they still had this like deep funk and r&b undertone you know they had some cuts with some disco sensibilities but i don't think that they would ever be described technically as a disco band they are more of a funk and r&b yeah for sure interestingly this is music trivia time with lightning licks radio there is something special about fatback band they did release and you can believe me you can decide to believe me you can go against me i don't really give a shit what you do <laughs> but here's the truth i'm speaking the truth that's to all of the youth right yeah I figured i'd i'd body up to them real quick sure uh, fatback yeah. band released the first commercial hip-hop record single of all time it was as ma- yeah it was not as many people believe it to be the sugar, sugar Hill Hill Gang, Gang. right months before that we're talking about four, maybe five months before that The shelves were filled with fat back bands, single entitled King Tim the Third. That was the first rap track commercially available, and I can prove it. The more you know. Yeah, the more you know. And this is an action. We'll play a little bit of this right now so you can get the idea. Like I'm not trying to pull your leg or anything. This is truly a rap song, so here we go. Listen to this.
3: Strong as an ox and told as a tree, we can rock it so viciously. We throw the hides and your eyes are in Your face with the funk machines is rocking human rage. Skate down, boogie shot. Come on, girl, let's do the rock. Slam dunk, do the jerk. Let me see your body
2: work. Told you, yeah. That's a rap track. They were the first to do it. It ended up being a B side of something they released, but it was still out in the stores before the Sugar Hill Gang, and it did get a little bit of radio play. But obviously it was sort of eclipsed by the phenomenon that was Sugar Hill Gang. And then that's history. So that's a pretty cool deal. Yeah. Uh, The story behind that's pretty cool. Uh, It's also very simple. They wanted a rap track. They didn't want to sing. They didn't know how to rap. They asked some dude in the studio, who was like the janitor or some shit. Hey man, you know any rappers? And he's like, yeah, my cousin Tim raps. They're like, bring him in. <laughs> and that's how it happened. So the title is actually Tim the Third is what this rapper went by, King Tim the nice. Third. So that's how that all happened. So that's a little cool bit of history. But when you're talking about the Fatback Band, you're basically talking about a group that puts out party hits that's funky R&B.
1: It always sounds great. And we kind of talked about this a little bit yeah. too, because like a few episodes back, I had talked about a band called the Blackbirds, who are generally like jazz R&B guys where a lot of the shit was like instrumental and I feel like they have a lot in common with that except they didn't release like 82 records yeah. (laughs) like Fatback did. Well I have a handful of the Fatback records and the one that I brought with me today
2: is their fourth LP release and it was in 1974 it's called Keep On Steppin. And which track are you going to use from that? And I do have a little bit of a Valentine's Day hangover Jay. so I chose the (laughs) song entitled Love for the Mix so that's one of the few ballads that they sprinkled in uh, just because I think it's so cool that they had one of their horn players sing because they didn't really have a vocalist but he does a
1: really oh no he's really good it actually kind of reminded me a little bit of bill withers a little bit yeah man he has a decent voice
2: but the entire record uh it may be their best record out of the 25 or so it's funky (laughs) as all get out uh there's some really nice party tracks and this ballad is so sweet as
1: well god love for stepping up love singing that love jay love Love. Love. that's what we're putting on the mix what do you got this is my last one. Okay. And it is a band called the Friends of Distinction. God, it is the this band so Yeah, much. I do too. It is not obscure. They did have a couple hits. The song that I'm taking on the mixtape is from their first record, which is called Grazin'. They had a huge hit in 69 with a song called Grazin' in the Grass, which was a vocal version of a hit that Hugh Mascala had had earlier that year, right also in. called the same thing. Yeah, man. And for my money, two minutes and 56 seconds of perfect fucking pop. Fuzzy guitar solo that comes in and out in about eight seconds. The I can dig it, he can dig it, she can dig it, we can dig it, they can dig it. That chorus rules so hard. I dig it. Um, They had a couple other hits called Lover, Let Me Be Lonely. That was a hit for them. And there was another one that they did called Going in Circles. But they recorded like seven records between like 69 and 73. They were a band that was uh, based out of Los Angeles, California. The interesting thing about this is not only does this gentleman write the liner notes on the back of the record, But this band was discovered by Football Hall of Famer and actor Jim Brown. Awesome. Which is so fucking cool. I don't know why. I find that really, really cool and interesting. Again, they did like seven records. Um, It should be noted, too, that it was split up. There was two female singers, two male singers. Two of the members were actually in a band in the mid-60s called the Hi-Fies. Yeah. With... Lamont L'Amour and Marilyn McCoo who went on to form the Fifth Dimension right, right. which I'm a huge fan of so if you like the Fifth Dimension this is a little more R&B soul than Fifth Dimension I love Fifth Dimension but right. they're a little more poppy yep. so if you like that stuff you will like this band too Jessica Cleaves, one of the female singers actually went on to sing for Earth, Wind & Fire for a few years okay. after the band disbanded but all the friends of Distinction I'm a huge, huge sucker for 70s soul right. I love that As shit you so be. much you should definitely check out their stuff. The song that I'm going to use for the mixtape is from that first record called Grazin. We've talked about this. There is something so special about R&B and soul bands, Black Axe, doing Beatles tracks. Yeah, man. And I really want some geeky guy or chick, whatever, to go on to Spotify and just put this like super like mix together of all these great RB bands who have covered Beatles tracks. And the one that from the Grayson that I want to use is And I Love Her. And which I is love her. which is great. I mean the production is just pristine and we talked about this when we were listening to it. Like these are just songs where you can hear the rooms that they were recorded in. Like yeah. you can feel like you can actually enter and get into and be in the song. They're so well recorded. It's fucking cool. Friends of Distinction, any of their stuff is amazing. They got a really good greatest hits that came out towards the end of their career. Start with that, you're not gonna be disappointed. I like, guarantee if no. you're a seventies soul fan, you're not gonna be disappointed. It's
2: such a cool, yeah. cool track. Way fucking cool. Yeah, and they sort of vocalize the guitar riffs
1: and stuff like we had that happen in uh Well you're talking about the uh the Watson sisters yeah. doing uh the version of Powderfinger Finger by Neil right. Young where they were vocalizing the guitar riff in yeah. the back yeah, you're like you said, yeah, the background singers do that with the and I love her too, which is really, really cool. Yeah, man. Big check for that, yeah check it out awesome and lastly but not leastly because i know this is the last one it is f is for final it's the <laughs> final selection what do you got this is a recent kitsch pickup uh,
2: i was in the kitsch as i am regularly as always are and jess pointed out a new release in the hip-hop section to me which she usually does and she's like did you buy that yet it's really good and I was like, "No, I haven't, but I'll listen to it and see what I think." And she was referring to a Chicago MC Lupe Fiasco's latest release, drill music in Zion. And I did stream some of it, and I did enjoy it, so I did return and purchase it. <laughs> Jess was right. Good looking out. Nice to have people looking out for yeah, you, man. Exactly. Yeah, is, and Jordo does the same thing yeah. just for different genres. Just so the best, yeah. I never really dug into Lupe's music too deep previously. I never purchased any of his records, but I do remember liking his track "Kick Push." That was one of the first singles maybe 15 years ago that he came out with, and it's about skateboarding. And it had a cool beat and nice bars, a really neat video, you know, skateboarding. And after that, I really didn't pay attention to what he was doing. I did hear the singles just out and about, you know, in the atmosphere. Uh, he had some pretty massive hits, but I never looked into his album cuts, and maybe I should have, but... Uh, it should be said that discovering anything cool whenever you discover it, that's fine too, right?
1: I, I, here's the thing, I've said it a million times. I feel like you discover things when it's your time to discover them. Right,
2: so good when on you're Jess. Ready,
1: when you're ready for them.
2: Good on our friend Jess for knowing what I'd like. Yeah. did a good job. This is a themed record. It uh, works best perhaps in one sitting when you listen to the whole thing. But choosing just one track to include on the mix, I think it will be the track Miss Mural. The wordplay here is pretty impressive. The beat is very like piano-based and jazzy. It breaks down at the end so you have time to like process and reflect what you just heard, and it'll get you thinking. Uh, the album as a whole is really well done. It's not too long. It's like 10 tracks, 40 minutes, kind of the perfect uh, length of a record. Uh, which is a bonus when the lyrics and the themes are so deep, right? You don't want it to be too long. You don't want the record to be too expansive, or else it'll hurt your head when you think about it. But he does a great job of defending his art form, which is rap, and the evolution of it. It's even evident in the record's title, Drill Music and Zion. Drill Music, if you are unaware, is a subgenre of hip-hop that's popular today, and it's really prevalent in Chicago, uh, his hometown, but it has been criticized for its violent nature, Uh, And though drill music isn't what Lupe does, uh, he does defend the idea that that art is just a reflection of the artist's reality, and a lot of these songs he talks about that, right? And it should be seen and heard as such. Uh, they did the same. Like, remember when there was that great moral panic uh, around N.W.A. when they came out in Gangster Rap? Kind of reminds me of that, right? Like, I think like we're in this time now where drill music's just annoying and violent, and people don't get it. And all the suits are gonna dismiss it as nothing more than just, you know, people talking about murder and shit. But I think in the end, uh, people will kind of understand that there was value in even that art. Like, hip hop has evolved. And people like Lupe, who happened to be now one of the elder statesmen of his genre, even though he's only 40 years old, uh, I think it's cool that he's coming around to appreciate, you know, what the kids are doing. And he's basically saying like the responsibility isn't just necessarily on the creator when it comes to art, but you know, on the listener, on the consumer, on the consumer end of things, to. Uh, to decide what it really means you know is it worthwhile or not it's not just on the artist it's on the it's on the people who listen to it so i think that's a really kind of a deep concept for him and uh, i just appreciated the record and i mean he can rap too he's a good rapper yeah his beats uh, are solid yeah
1: super solid and and i i feel like that's the eternal struggle of the art versus commerce kind of thing i mean an artist can't do anything other than what they do right and either people are going to get on top of it or they're not going to but i just yeah you're right. It's what yeah. It'll come
2: around. I mean, look at, you know, NWA, everybody's freaking the fuck out. Our parents were losing their goddamn minds, but then, you know, 30 years later, Dre and Snoop are performing at the Super Bowl halftime show, exactly. and everybody's dancing along, so it just takes time, right? Yep. Now he's a vet in the game, and I think he's done good to all the kids. We're all scared of, we're all <laughs> scared of the
1: unfamiliar, apparently. Yep.
2: Yeah, so this is art for art's sake, and it's cool that he's sharing his knowledge, and, uh, you know, I heard on the radio that they're kind of celebrating hip-hop as, like, a cultural Thing is like having its 50 year anniversary this year. I don't know how they figured that of out. I don't, yeah, I don't know what. You know, maybe it's like the first well, time it's when that, that band right? <laughs> that came out. <laughs> well, that was '79, from that, from so that, that doesn't make sense, right? It was before that. Well, they don't even know that. They don't even know, right? <laughs> but it's cool that some of the best hip hop shit in all time now that the genre apparently is 50 years old uh, is coming not from only the youngsters, which will undoubtedly always be the case. The youngsters are always going to drive the genre, right? But it's also, you know, the older fellas. 40 calling him old seems silly but you get what I'm saying yeah. like, like it's cool that he's he's putting out meaningful shit still yeah yeah but like because he's an artist yeah. and that's what artists do that's what they do, that's what they do. he's going to keep going strong
5: Lupe, check him good. out if
2: you haven't checked him out check him out that's, i mean that's it what do what, what else that's, is there? that's that's all of, all of our apps. gets their apps. That was a quick F episode. I think. If
1: I felt like that was quick too, yeah. For Maybe sure. we were just
2: loving it so much that.
1: I, I, I think we yeah. burned through her, bud.
2: <laughs> burned through the F. So, what's going to happen now essentially is Jay's going to take all these tracks that we mentioned and uh, he's going to order them all into a mixtape, and we are going to play that mixtape right
1: now. It's coming up right now. Right now. Listen.
2: Check it out. Cool, 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 cool.
4: And fabulous 3D suites. And what? Davis, music Quattro, and, and, and Amar.
6: In conjunction with Photo Slug and the FuzzBugs Fan Club, we bring you a two-part competition. The first question being, can you identify the four gorgeous fuzz chicks from these sensual laughs? Here comes A.
0: <laughs>
6: and now for B. <laughs> S- <coughs> And finally, D. You will hear the other question later on in the show.
5: So now it's over to the next scintillatingly steamy episode. If you had to paint the gutter, which color would you choose? Said the patron to the painter, the painter said the blues. Do you act off intuition or languish and peruse? More like tapping into tradition from the angle of my mood. Look back at his canvas, or strangle in a tube A master of the palette, all sanguine and cool The music mostly jazz, the jazz mostly old Punctured by some punk and some old smoky soul An atlas on the trunk from the land of broken goals Just a cover in the back that you open and you close Where are all the pages? The painter said defanged I ripped them all out and made some paper planes Fish grease absorbers and some origami cranes Poured itself a drink and then poured it down the drain Looked at the empty canvas, said I think I have a name I'll call it gasoline, pouring on the flames, hey Appreciate the visit. This isn't normally allowed. Do you consider yourself wowler? Conforming to a style, the patron pointed at a pile Are those rejections or mistakes. The painter said that is not for question or debate. Most of what we know as art is the projection of a faith product of a pontiff for the election of a saint. A gift from the red for the digestion of the kaint. A visual garnish for the confessions of the frank. Displays a physical carnage, make connections to the ranks. Goes over very well with South Americans and Yanks. Not to sound shamanistic, but there's medicine in paint. It gets kinetic if you let it. There's a fetish in its strength. Modern will call Russian roulettes in the flanks. And most will pull the trigger if the weapon's full of blanks. But when there's a pool of sharks and you step into the tank that's the pool of art that got him headed to the plank but they fell for the deceptiveness of the secularist complaint the upheaval of the cathedrals into the edifice of bank that pile over there is just the evidence of angst the felt revival of a perfectionist when his efforts have just sank a selection of the waste that lacks direction or a base you lose all of the plots for the affections of a race man does not become superior because you connect them to a cape nor does become inferior because you connect them to an ape i never wanted my life to be a collection of some dates and holiday my days away and intellectually sedate it's not really but conceptually at stake. Like do genitals and gender roles successfully conflate? The current art world is just competitively opaque. It never ceases to amaze. My mouth is medically gate. One day it's raising up the brand, the next it's shredding it to flakes. And the velocity of trends is what referees the pace. Professionally accept what ethically I hate. So in all of my work, you see this wrestling with fate. It's even in the brush strokes, how aggressively I strafe. Less like putting on some makeup, more like severing a face wow said the patron with a smile that's the most interesting diatribe i've heard in a while how you articulated the nature and put it all on trial took it up to heaven then put it on the ground the painter asked the patron can you stand up on the pal? i've had a flash of inspiration my creativeness aroused the model took its place the painter grabbed the lighter doused the shit in gasoline and set it all on fire fire fire, fire.
4: you will have to evade But you can be so easy to-
6: and it's part two of our Splendifers competition. Which of Vicky Fuzzbox's legs is rubber? Henceforth and forthwith, we have Love is the Slug by Fuzzbox for...
2: Crisp.
0: We bring unto thee the
6: weather Hither thither it will be raining in the south And verily I say unto thee again Forsooth hither
5: thence
0: It shall be sunny in the north
5: Ladies and gentlemen One of the funkiest bands on the east coast The Fatback Band Come on Some people say
3: that rappers don't have feelings. We have feelings. We, we have feelings. Some people say that we are not rappers. We're rappers. That hurts our feelings. Hurts our feelings when you say we're not rappers. Some people say that rappers are invincible. We're, we're Invincible. But you are about to hear our true stories. Real experiences. Autobiographical raps. Things that happen to us. All true. Bring the rhyme! I make a meal for my friends, try to make it delicious, try to keep it nutritious, create wonderful dishes. Not one of them thinks about the way I feel, nobody compliments the meal. I got good feelings, I got good feelings. I feel like a prize asshole, no one even mentions my casserole. I
4: got good feelings, I got good
3: feelings. You could have said something nice about my professional role. A little story to bring a tear to your eye I
4: was shopping for a wetsuit to a dive But every suit I try was too big around the thighs And the assistant suggest I try a lady's size I got hurt feelings,
3: I got hurt feelings I'm not gonna wear a lady's wetsuit, I'm a man I got hurt feelings, I got hurt feelings Give me a small man's wetsuit, please It's my birthday, 2003 Waiting for a call from my family They forgot about me
4: I got hurt feelings I got hurt feelings
3: The day after my birthday Is not my birthday, mom
4: I call my friends, say let's go into town But they're all too busy to go into town So I go by myself, I go into town Then I see all my friends They're all in town I got hurt I got hurt feelings They're all lined up to watch that movie Made in Manhattan Have you ever been told? Your ass is too big Have you ever been asked if your hair
3: is a wig? Have you ever been told you're mediocre in bed? Have you ever been told you got a weird-shaped head? Has your family ever forgotten you and driven away? once again, they forgot about you Were you ever called homo cause at school you took drama? Have you ever been told that you look like a llama?
4: Tears of a rapper
3: Don't wanna make a rapper cry then watch what he say I'm crying tears
4: of a rapper
3: Pouring like the bullets off my eye Go
4: pray can. Tears of
3: my eyes. These are the tears of a rapper now.
4: These are diamond tears of a rapper.
3: These are the bulletproof 24 karat gold tears
5: of a rapper.
3: Coming soon to a theater near you.
7: I guess it looks
2: as if you're reorganizing your records. records, Yeah. Um, Was this? uh, Chronological? No.
7: Not alphabetical. Nope.
2: So I decided to do it the old-fashioned way, and when I say old-fashioned, I mean, like, from the 1700s, and I separated whites and blacks.
7: No fucking way.
2: I think you're on to something. I mean, not Shit. someone who's like a clansman or anything, but someone who's totally unbound by PC rules. So we'll just say whatever the hell he
1: wants. The segregator. Segregator. Correcting weirdos. Whose mission is
2: to celebrate and examine our often healthy, always obsessive, creepily intimate relationship that we share with the physical media. That is. Made. I'm just saying that's what I fuck with. I have records. That's what I be
1: <laughs> I don't care about it. it's movies, but I'll watch The Segregator. <laughs>
2: Yeah, if the segregator comes out, <laughs> I'm the segregator. And you just say, okay, well, who cares? We make jokes about that all day long, but this isn't a game. I've extrapolated this out. My superpower is being honest. I'll
4: eat your ass. I'll do it. I will eat your ass. Eat your ass. Eat-
1: All right, and that was the, that was the mix. That was a cool mix. Yeah. It was pretty I, awesome. It was a lot of fun to put together. I love doing that. It's one of my favorite parts of the podcast. I love all of this, though, so yeah. that's just me. I love the Blue Chair Bays. I love the Blue Chair Bays. Hanging and out Miller with you Lights. on a Sunday afternoon. I love seeing Holly. Yeah, <laughs> Hanging out with my dog. Mm-hmm. Again, we always say this, and I'm going to always say this. Thank you for hanging out with us. He always says that. Yeah, and I mean it. I truly, truly mean it. There's a million things that you could be doing instead of listening to us, and we appreciate that you take the time to do that.
2: And I would like to speak specifically to Chris right now because I know that he listened (laughs) to this mix. Thank you. See what you've been missing this whole time, bud? See what you've been missing.
1: So um, you stay tuned. We have our bonus episodes coming up where we get a special, super secret friend to come in and talk about what they're listening to. Me I and Dan talk yet. about what we're listening to. That's unthematic. We don't have any theme for it. Just kind of shit that we're digging on. And that's we're, we're gonna be the away. next thing coming up in a few weeks. Yep. So keep your ears peeled for that. Which sounds painful, but just do it. Do it.
2: Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks. We love you. Long time. Long time. Cheers, yo. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks.
7: Sonic contributions to episode 29 of Lightning Licks Radio Podcast include Lee Moses, Holland Dozier Holland, James Todd Smith, The Neurons, Dixielian, Shane Jadora, The Basement Chemist, Toby Nguigi, Diamond Jim, Cookie Monster, Fetch and Bones, Guadalcanal Diaries, United States of America, 50 Foot Hose, Jefferson Airplane. Faye Ray, The Police, Mateel, the, the Ruts, Light of the Concords, Tenacious D, Fuzz Fox, Norman Greenbaum, Wet Leg, First Aid Kit, Leonard Cohen, The Rolling Stones, Graham Parsons, The Flying Burrito Brothers, Anna Turnheim, Michael Finelli, Crabby Appleton, The Millennial, Sagittarius, the Fatback Fat Back Band, Blackbirds, Neil Staka, Hugh Moscola, The Friends of Distinction, The Five Stair Steps, The Beatles, Celeste Legaspi, Lupe Fiasco, DJ Evil D, G Erbo, Aira, King Vaughn, Archival, Todd Luizzo, John Cusack, Tucker Carlson, Alex Jones, APM Staka, Trailer Score, and The clockers. We'll be back in a few weeks with another bonus episode. This is obviously my favorite podcast in the world. It is just the best thing. I love the soothing voice of Brendan and Jay. It puts me to sleep at night and I have good dreams. Lightning
0: like Lexus
2: in the mix. The faded with these dusty finger tips. We learned from digging in the bins at electric hits in the hits we got funk and soul and so much more we got the hip-hop rip-hop new and known we got the free jazz punk rock disco gold garage psyched up and acoustic foot when then you request like nah man i think i not that lp at home it's on the shelf in my basement that's where it belongs sorry yo. now don't get me wrong i really do appreciate your input but i don't really need your stinking input Nah, B, I'm just playing Just trying to play too. the rules is what I'm saying Why waste your time on a top 40 hit list When you can prep platters like a catering business So fresh, I'm high on my deck Make me collaborate and jump it That's teamwork, baby you an old B-side treat With a gut so deep to make your horse bleed Dusty groups and forgotten gems Sample sources from way back when You're like, hmm, that sounds familiar Well, it's Osley Bros Now, Biggie Cupid done, the bud is still ill And it still kills It's a phone I five phone that for real
0: I was fading with you. His-
2: If the segregator comes out, Jay and I will wait in line. <laughs> we'll stay after the credits. Oh, yeah, have <laughs> to.